8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. And we'll have a we'll have the podcast up of the discussion with Professor William Gomedia, the big hitter for the night tomorrow morning around nine o'clock. Look out for it. Go to the website safm.co.za. You can also follow me on my Twitter timeline. As soon as it comes out, I will post it as well. That's Ashraf Ganta. Right, let's talk Zimbabwe. As you just heard from Professor William Gomedia itself, it's a huge cause. For concern, And I would say, at the very least, for all of you, for you listening in, it's like this. A neighbor has got no food, for example. It's in your interest to make sure they get food somewhere or the other, to teach them how to get the money to buy the food or to grow their food, or at the very least, give them their food, or else they're going to start knocking on your door to ask you for food. Now, we're not necessarily talking about food, but we are talking about Zimbabwe and what actually is going on in Zimbabwe. I'd like to get your thoughts, 0891104207, just general concerns. To what degree are you concerned about what's happening in Zimbabwe? Uh, are you concerned Zimbabweans may come to the country as they have come in big numbers because the spillover will, may well happen? Will the issues around Zimbabwe or about Zimbabwe be resolved? Uh, my previous guest made, made the point about it, has, it was obvious there had to be a government of national unity, which uh, which didn't occur, and maybe that's the root cause, according to him, and maybe that's the the root solution as well. But you have your own thoughts about solutions. Let's uh, find out more about Zimbabwe. Professor Rob Moore is with me, Professor of Development Studies at UJ, but ironically talking to us from Canada. Uh, so it's a case of almost like good morning or good afternoon, I gather. Uh, Professor Moore, thanks for your time. Clock and uh, don't confuse me with my friend Rob. I'm David. <laughs> Wait, I, I, I may have got that wrong. What is it? Is that David Moore? Yeah, it's David. Yep, that, that's fine. Okay, um, my, my apologies. Thank you. And I hope I've got the yeah. title right. Is the title correct? That's correct. And I'm, I'm, and I'm at UJ. Yeah. Okay, so David Moore at UJ, but in Canada, and you are in Canada, right? I'm just double checking. I am at well. the airport now. All right, mm-hmm. good. Okay. Tell me, so from South Africa to Canada to comment on Zimbabwe, the irony. What's going on in Zimbabwe? Well, you know, I've, I was in Zimbabwe uh, three or four weeks ago, and um, it was pretty clear this economic crisis was beginning. There were the petrol queues. The black market rate was about 3.2 to 1 um, between American dollars and whatever you had your bond dollars and your dollars. Um and it's clearly escalated and it's come to a head with the um, increase in the price of, of, of petrol. So um, it's pretty clear over here. You've got, what, 8 to 10 people killed and, and a lot, a lot of people really, really hurt badly. Um, it's unclear to me who really started this up. I know that uh, the authorities in Zimbabwe have arrested Beatrice Matetra and Evan Marira, the guy who had the This Flag movement going in. 2016, so it's kind of the usual suspects. But I, I reckon it was it was kind of spontaneous, um, emerging, and various parties are trying to take credit for it. And of course, uh, the MDC headquarters has been was burnt by unknown people, but probably, but I'm sure we know who they are. So it's been very very tough. And I understand that um, you know the internet's been cut and it's been opened up again, and 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 people are in safe houses. 
in the MDC and, and various civil society leaders. So it looks like there's been a real crackdown. It looks like the crisis of legitimacy that was never, never resolved since August 1, when the probably more than six people were killed in those demonstrations. Um, so the crisis is deepening and, and deepening. And I understand um, that various parties in the opposition and civil society, as, as you just mentioned, are calling for some sort of um, transitional authority, which very oddly was on the cards in November of 2017. Um, certainly the British were pushing the idea of a government of national unity, um, but ZNPF quickly doused that. Um, so, and, and then, you know, they wanted to get to the quick elections before the NBC could, could get their uh, act together again, because, of mm. course, as you know, Morgan Shangarai died uh, in February. So they had the quick election and hoped that they would get the legitimacy from that. But, of course, with the August 1 killing, that disappeared. Now it looks like you have the president of the country not even coming back to tend to this crisis. And it looks like a rather vicious man by the name of Constantino Chiwanga, who's the vice president, mm -hmm. seems to be uh, taking the reins. So, um, and, and of course, in order to get the liquidity that they need, the American dollars that they need, there has to be... Um, an appearance of legitimacy to the international financial institutions. Now, I would suggest that, you know, I mean, we've, we've had people say, yes, FedEx and South Africa should intervene in some way and, and sort of knock their heads together. But I would think at the international level, um, aside from Africa, we have Britain, which supported this coup and bet their bottom dollar that Mugabe could turn the corner. Now that bet has has turned really, really belly up. So I think they kind of have to get back to the table and say, "Look, we blew it. Um, let's 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 try and get some sort of discussions going towards the national transitional authority, and then we would go to the international community and get the uh, the rescue packages set up, which of course were the plans back in November, but um, and they went awry when." Um, when ZNPF decided not to go into the government of national unity or whatever it could be called, a coalition government or a group of technocrats who would take over and, and, and prepare the, the stage for a proper election in a couple or three years. What and I, and I welcome callers as well, so I encourage you to connect and engage on AOH 9110420708911042. My guest, Professor David Moore, not Rob Moore, uh, from Can Canada... Right, uh, speaking to us from Canada right now, of course, but uh, very, very much part of UJ, Professor of Development Studies now. Now, you know, lots of reasons around the causes, but, but ultimately the spark, I understand, was the rise in petrol prices. So sometimes it takes something, not that I'm suggesting fuel prices are trivial, but something that's just very much every day to spark up a bigger issue. Therefore, you know, where where will this all end? Um. You don't have a caller waiting for you, so expect me to answer that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Look, it's not just the price of uh, petrol, uh, because the price of everything has gone up. And I remember at Christmas time, Delta, which manufactured Coca-Cola, said they didn't have American currency to buy the ingredients for Coca-Cola. Now, can you imagine Christmas without Coca-Cola? So many of these uh, re retail um, companies, and probably more legitimately uh, um legitimate companies than the people who control the petrol prices because they're, they're, they're sort of these cabals um, which get control over the imports. Um, and that was all exposed when um, 
the Minister of Finance back in uh, uh, November or December released the, he hired A.T. Lamumu to expose the cabals behind the petrol and the reserve bank um, crises. Um, so we're seeing this kind of patronage politics in ZANU-PF, the factions in ZANU-PF playing themselves out on the economic field. And in that context, they cannot pull themselves out, cannot extricate themselves from the deep, deep, deep crisis, which has uh, been... Um, which Zimbabweans have been facing since 2000 and, and the land invasion, um, when, um, you know, 1,500 1, farms, commercial farms were basically, uh, most of them taken over. And that led to the many, many economic crises, no industrial, uh, complete deindustrialization. De- de- and, and, and 2008, I mean, we're speaking 10 years ago now, was when there was this absolutely exponential inflation rate. And then they, they, then they took on the American dollar as the main currency. Well, now, uh, from 2016 until now, there basically have not been enough American dollars to, um, to keep the economy going because there aren't enough exports and so on. Um, so since 2016, they've had these bond notes and they have this very ersatz economic um, currency which floats around in your cell phones, and it can never be redeemed in real dollars. So you've had a false economy, which has been just, you know, ready to burst. And so it's taken this liquidity crisis to to burst it open, and and, and the petrol increases. Okay, have, what's uh, your understanding have, have therefore? I mean, yeah. so one, it would be the colonial masters, and you know the relationship between Robert Mugabe and, and them. That's that would be, uh, you know, Britain. The other would be South Africa, then the African Union. Who's saying what? amongst all those uh, interest groups? Well, you know, the United Kingdom is <laughs> with Brexit, and the ambassador who was so supportive of Murundaga was in Nigeria, and they have a new ambassador there who's been a development economist, and I don't know where, where, where she really stands. So I think per- perhaps what South Africa could, could do, and I believe it has, doesn't it have the... Um, the non-voting seat on, on the, on the, the UN, Secretary, yeah. um, Secretary Council of the UN. It, it would be really time for a, a, a really important regional player like South Africa to bang some heads together in Zimbabwe and then, um, you know, go to the international finance institutions. You're basically talking about the IMF. But of course you have to get, um, I mean, the IMF is made up of member countries, right? And, and the voting countries are the most powerful countries in the world. They have been not satisfied with the legitimacy crisis in, in Zimbabwe. I think they were willing to go if Mnangagwa had won those elections free and fair. Mm. That was the gamble. So that gamble hasn't worked. And for some reason, Mnangagwa is not coming back to the country. He seems unable to govern. So you have a, 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 you know, a military state with Chirwenga, who's not a nice fellow. So somebody's going to have to pull back somewhere, both in between the NDC and somebody who can represent a civilian, a powerful civilian within the Zanapia, if there are any left, um, someone is going to have to go up there from SADC or South Africa and, and really get some people to talk together so that you can create an institution which will be, you know, legitimate. And we'll be able to look. I don't really believe that sanctions are a great idea, but they're there. You're going to have to get the Americans okay. to pull off the sanctions which are restricting American companies from going. And you're going to have to have that whole array. And there's going to be some really tough economic policies that come along with 
the IMF package and the World Bank package and so on that can bring development uh, back in. I mean, uh, the, the sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, I was saying that that's fine. Is there any final yeah. point, however you wish to make, in terms of where to go from now on? <laughs> well, I certainly hope that when I visit Zimbabwe next, in the next couple of weeks, uh, somebody will have a solution. Because it's getting, it's been bad, terrible for a long time. And as you say, it takes a spark like this to get things going. I think the leaders of both parties, the MDC and uh, and whatever kind of civilian, decent people in front of TF are there, they must get together. They must rein in the military. If the South Africans can help, that would be all the better. If England can say, sorry, we made a big mess, uh, and we should get back and really, really work hard to, to start again at November's 2017, where things started to go really wrong. Because mm. I think it's, I heard one of your one of the NBC guys, uh, Melillo, on your afternoon program saying, "Coups beget coups," and we do have in Zimbabwe young military officers who are not quite, you know, in 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 tandem with what's going on. And um, of course, we have the many uh, uh, fishers. Besides that sort of generational and educational fissures within the army, we have the uh, ethnic fissures, there's the Zuru, Karanga, um, um, ethnic divide, which has become more prominent since the fall of Mugabe. Of course, Mugabe, you know, Mugabe was, was creating yeah. these things and then he'd come in and solve them okay. without him. So I think there's a big role here for SADC and South Africa to, to you know, get and to the UN, get to the IMF, and, and, and really do something. And let's see whether they will play, and let's see whether they'll play that role. Thank you for your time, Professor David Mueli, Professor of Development Studies at UJ. Safe trip back home when you do, of course, currently speaking to us uh, from, from Canada. We'll get another take on uh, what's happening in Zimbabwe, but I also want to get your opinion i particularly want to get yours if you have any zimbabwean connection but even being zimbabwe's neighbor is a good enough connection 891 if you wish to voice note us that's also fine you do that via whatsapp it's 0614 tweet me as well hashtag safm viewpoint and then you tag safm radio and myself ashraf Ghanda. i want to hear your viewpoint on zimbabwe Let's have the conversation. 0891-104-207. Right, so that's one take. Let's get another with uh, Pierre uh, Peugeot, who's the, uh, the Crisis Group Senior Consultant for Southern Africa. Pierre, uh, good chatting to you. Hi. Hi, good evening, Ashraf. Thank you. Good right. evening to the listeners. Well, first of all, t- tell us about your organization. Where, where do you fit in, in terms of understanding, well, Crisis Group suggests so much, but just, just help us understand what is it you do? Well, uh, the International Crisis Group uh, uh, is an uh, international NGO, conflict prevention NGO, based in Brussels and operates uh, around the globe uh, in conflict situations and potential deadly conflict situations. And uh, Southern Africa being the, uh, uh, the most peaceful part of the African continent uh, uh, isn't a major uh, focus for Crisis Group. Uh, at this juncture, but we have been following the Zimbabwean situation closely for the last 15 years or so, uh, and uh, and we are obviously extremely worried about uh, the situation, which looked promising uh, uh, or had the potential for, for for promise with the changes that we saw in November 2017. Okay, let's talk then about about where we are. What is your understanding of what actually is happening? To tell us what's happening and tell us more than that. 
Well, you know, I mean, uh, it's been extremely difficult to get a very clear picture of what's going on, obviously, because of the, the Internet blackout and the uh, morass of, of false information that's been flying around. But uh, obviously we've had three days of, of actions uh, on the ground relating to the stay-away uh, that was called by the ZTTU, the Zimbabwe Congress of Trade Unions, and backed by some civil society groupings. And uh, violent protests uh, erupted in a number of areas across the country, provoking a, uh, a harsh uh, security force clampdown, which has led to an unknown number of casualties uh, in terms of deaths and injuries. Uh, and we uh, are, are aware of a number of detentions that have occurred uh, through security force actions over the last 36 hours or so. What, we were talking earlier about the, the need to have had a government of national unity from the outset once uh, uh, Mugabe was, uh, was removed. Uh, do, you, do you concur with that, with hindsight? Well, you know, it's not, a government of national unity is something which, of course, the key political players uh, have to want to, to, to uh, accommodate. And at this juncture... While we have had calls uh, increasingly from the opposition NDC for a transitional authority to try and lay the grounds for, for some kind of uh, legitimate political formation to take the country forward, uh, there's really been no agreement over this sort of uh, catch-all terminology around uh, what a government of national unity could and would look like. At this stage, there has been uh, calls over the last uh, uh, months for uh, some kind of inclusive national dialogue that goes beyond just political players, but involves key elements of, of uh, Zimbabwean society to really try and engage uh, the integrated political, economic and social crises that are gathering momentum and have done so over the last few months. Uh, the fuel hike uh, uh, simply was a spark, uh, it seems, that, that has provoked a number of people to express their anger and, of course, has been used by opportunistic criminal elements as well uh, uh, to, to, to take advantage of this. Uh, the vast majority of people who adhered to the stay away and were involved in any protests were not involved in violence. And I think it's important to, to make that very clear that most Zimbabweans are, are, are not engaged in this kind of action. Uh, and it's a little concerning that the state's response has been simply to point the fingers at the MDC uh, and the opposition and claim that this is an orchestrated action with the backing of foreign funders. Uh, we saw them say this ahead of the stay away, that something was in play, and we've seen this repeated uh, in the last couple of days from government spokespeople. Oh eight nine one one zero four two seven. Let's get let's get your thoughts. So uh, we go to Ishmael from Durban first up. Uh, hello, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much. Hello to the listeners. Uh, I I was expecting this actually to happen. You know the situation way by the situation we will get to worsen uh, because of the fact that uh, you know the opposition part agrees to go to the elections. And they say the election might be free and fair. And after that, uh, when the results are out, they say the election was rigged. They don't have the proof on, the, on, on paper to say the election were rigged. And then they don't agree to the result. They go to the court. They say the results were rigged. And they don't have the proof at the same time. So 
this thing is disturbing all our countries, especially our African countries, whereby the opposition doesn't agree to 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 say they they were. Uh, defeated on the election. But when we look at the election in the United States, whereby uh, Hillary Clinton, the wife, uh, I mean, accepted the results besides the fact that there were allegations that General uh, Trent um, uh, rigged the election. But she agreed that, uh, uh, so that's such that the country will move forward. Man, as long as we don't have the will of the opposition to accept the, the, the election, be it that you are defeated in form of being rigged, in some way that means you are not able to manage the, election, the, the, the elections. If you fail to manage the elections, uh, I mean, on the grassroots to, the, to, the, uh, I mean, to all polling stations, how are you going to manage the country? Okay, so what do you, what you, do you think is going to happen next then? What must happen is they, I mean, the opposition must know uh, politics better. They must accept such that the uh, international community doesn't uh, have a heavy hand on us because because of, of, of the unfairness of the processes that they agreed, even to the board of the electoral, I mean, uh, electoral organization that they agreed to. They choose the the members themselves. But when the results are out, we don't consider that the opposition party are a part of the, the board that, uh, I mean, uh, elected the members of the electoral organization, you see. So these things are not considered at last because they don't agree on the, the results. They, they don't accept the defeat. Look at what is happening in DRC at the same time. They don't want to, to accept the results in many of our African countries. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, got that. That's, Thank you. Yeah, you wanted to yeah, say something else? No, okay. I thought you may want to say something else. Thank, thanks for that call, uh, Ishmael. Uh, Shepard in KZN, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Ashraf. How are you? Good indeed. Right, go ahead. Good, good. Um, Ashraf, I mean, I, I could talk about this for, for a few days, but um, unfortunately, we only have a few seconds to talk about it. Unfortunately, the, the, the situation in Zimbabwe only needs one thing, and that's an entire change of regime. Because obviously when, when, the, when these new um, leaders or so-called leaders came into power, um, the way they came into power was seemingly um, a glimmer of hope, but it's still the same organization, the same machinery, but just a different face or a different operator, uh, for lack of a better word. And, and unfortunately, at this stage, things are just going to continue going downward because the introduction of that pseudo currency that they're using in the country, which is apparently equivalent to the U.S. dollar, but you can't use it outside the country. And if you have money in your bank account, if you can't use your card outside the country, makes the case where we're going back to the 2008 situation where there was a hyperinflationary environment. And it's going to, it's going to perpetuate itself. And this is 10 years later, through the same story, through the same problems, and I, I don't see any any hope apart from a change of government. Okay, change of but the change of government in in what manner? Through the Re- polls or, or or through what? I, I I don't know. Maybe international intervention. But the the same people who have been there for the past thirty, uh, you know, four decades are still running the country, and we cannot expect change if it's the same the same thinking, the same drive, the same agenda, the same motive. 
Okay. Um, the international community does not even legitimize the government because obviously, if if if, if the the army was deployed on civilians to to shoot live rounds at them for contesting the election results, that just tells you wh- who you're dealing with here. Okay, got that. Thank you for that call. Uh, certainly you got us, or you have us thinking. That's a shepherd. I'll, I'll pick out some voice notes in a moment. If you are voice noting, uh, do that via, via WhatsApp. It's 0614-104-107. But that you must not go over 30 seconds, please. It does mean I can't engage you. To engage, it's better to call in. I'm just making that point, but we're giving you those options. It's 891 You also have the option to tweet us, tweet your thoughts. Hashtag uh, SAFM Viewpoint. Use that hashtag when you do uh, post your tweet and then tag me, Ashraf Ganda, and SAFM Radio as well. Uh, we're talking Zimbabwe. My guest, amongst the many we've had, is uh, Pierre Pigeot, who's the Crisis Group Senior Consultant for Southern Africa. Pierre, you, you, you've heard some of the comments from those callers, uh, particularly that last one about a change. There needs to be a change of government. So what, what do you take? What's your take on that? Well, I mean, I think there is a uh, a wider problem in terms of, of political culture in Zimbabwe. And this, of course, is uh, a reflection of uh, a policy that has been under the control of ZANU-PF for uh, almost 39 years now. And, uh, you know, it, this, this presents a major challenge uh, uh, to the country's economic recovery. Uh, the, the government of President Mnangagwa has repeatedly tried to present itself as a new administration using terminology such as the Second Republic, that it is a break from the past. But I think the concerns that are uh, echoed by some of the callers uh, uh, reflect the concerns about continuities in the kind of abusive economic and political practices that we've seen uh, characterized by ZANU-PF governments over the years. this is why uh, I was saying earlier that it's, it's one, one almost needs to, to, to have some kind of national endeavor, some kind of cadetta-type process, but with a broader set of, of constituencies at the table, because there is deep disagreement between the political parties as to what the cause is. And I think, you know, uh, uh, the, 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 the politicking around responsibilities, uh, we're still very much in the blame game era at the moment, as opposed to looking for tangible solutions that can provide an inclusive and sustainable broad-based solution for Zimbabwe. And, meantime, and, and I think yeah, yeah, this, can, is, this, is, this is the essential problem, Ashraf. In the meantime, the president uh, has been abroad, and we'll, we'll just pick up on, on what that really means. I mean, off to Russia. But let's get some voice notes as well. Uh, so here's another. My dear Ashraf and your guest, it's Peter Wiley. I would like you to stop fooling yourselves and let's accept that charity begins at home. And let's look at our own situation. We have so many voters here who will vote for Julius Malema's party and the Black First, Land First. And let's face the fact that the fact that they seized property without compensation took away property on a racist basis caused the downfall and don't tap dance around this issue let's look at what is going to happen to this country if we don't stop this populist nonsense thank you for playing this bye bye now 
And you've probably heard yourself, uh, Peter Wiley, uh, saying it the way he sees it. Uh, Pierre, please your comment on that tap dancing and, uh, and, 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 and so on. Comment on that? I'm sorry, Ashraf, I got cut off for the last two minutes. I didn't actually hear what was said. Well, well he was referring to the issues of uh, the, the land grabs in Zimbabwe as the root cause of the problems of Zimbabwe. And we, and we as in all of us in plural, sort of tap dancing around the real cause, which is that. Right. Well, I mean, obviously, the land issue has played a, a, a extremely important role in terms of the genesis of the crisis and the posturing of uh, particular domestic and international entities. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's, as, as things stand at the moment, uh, one it's difficult to make a direct connection between uh, the land issue and and what has happened in the last few days. But certainly the resolution of the land issue, which the government has promised to engage by restoring the rule of law, dealing with issues of compensation and dealing with issues of security of tenure, which have been at the heart of the complaints uh, about the way the government has handled this, uh, remains very much a key factor around the credibility of the Munangagwa administration. Uh, And the fact that there's been limited movement uh, on this front, as there has been on a range of other reform promises around the ease of doing business, around transparency and accountability on many, many fronts in the economy. And the promise to deal with the financial delinquency that has led to this critical currency crisis uh, in Zimbabwe, uh, you know, it, it, it's certainly part of the problem, but it, it you know, one, one needs to be very careful about kind of crude throwaway uh, uh, excuses or reasoning for, for why we are at this stage. It's a very complex situation. But certainly land uh, needs to be taken into account in this. But, but would he not be right? I mean, just to put it bluntly, can, can we not say emphatically that he's right? That he's right? That the call is right? Or, or, or is, it, is it too much of a great No, area? I mean, I think, I, think, I think he raises an important point, but I mean, it's only part of the picture. And I think to hide behind... Uh, just saying that this is about land and about a contestation of land misses the point. It's about governance. It's about the way in which the Zimbabwean government engages uh, on a range of fronts, uh, the social contract uh, that it has with its people and the manner in which it adheres uh, to its own laws. Uh, And there is a problem in Zimbabwe that we have seen for nearly four decades, which is a widespread culture of impunity and a lack of accountability, uh, which has enabled violations to continue throughout the period that we're looking at. And, of course, we've seen uh, this, uh, the, the, the kind of violations that have been recorded over the years. So, you know, this is part of the problem which has, which has fed into a very polarized uh, political situation because it's not only the economy that needs to be fixed. This is a country that needs to be fixed. This is a country that has huge, profound reconciliation challenges. Uh, and the big question is whether... Mr. Munangagwa really has the wherewithal to actually lead this kind of, of, of uh, charge to address these, these huge challenges. Okay, there's more thoughts, and I'll pick up on other issues as well. But let's get to another call to Polikwani. We go, Alois on the line. Hello. Alois, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm, I'm good, and I hope you are well. But uh, what's, your, what's your position on Zimbabwe? Yeah, myself, I come from Zimbabwe. Is it okay. a problem? The problem with this government, my brother, is that case, hard currency, U.S. dollar. There is no money. Uh, I've been at home for the last two years. But uh, to find a dollar, to come across one dollar, otherwise it's after five or so months, you can't. There is poverty because 
there is a, a, a shortage of cases. Everything that is there, the crisis, it's a, it is because there is no case. There is no industry. So there is no money. If these countries, Sadiq or what, what, if they wanted to help Zimbabwe, definitely they should have given them some money, some grants, you see. Then that government also, if they get money, they, mustn't, they must not support only ZANU-PF people in the rural areas. Like, they give people uh, agriculture input, you see. But then they will be allocated to only ZANU-PF people. You see, it's a lot of resources because... They just give to everybody because he says he believes in Zanukis. That's the problem. Corruption. Corruption uh, Corruption is the problem. Okay, got that. Thank you for that call. Let's get another call. Mashia from uh, Lady Brand. Twice we speak this week. So you're putting the city on the, or the town on the map, as I told you the other day. Thanks for calling in. Go ahead. Mashia, hello. Mashia, you there? Now, we'll try and reconnect with him in just a second. Let, let's get Ben to sort that out. Let's say uh, uh, corruption is, is a part, uh, as, as a big contributor to Zimbabwe not working, Pierre? Yeah, look, corruption uh, has been a huge problem, and, and, and that's related directly to uh, the politics of patronage and uh, the lack of accountability and transparency. Uh, uh, around these concerns. Now, President Monangagwa has made a big noise about dealing with corruption, and we have seen over the last year uh, a number of cases being brought to the court of uh, former senior politicians uh, and uh, members of the bureaucracy. The big question, of course, is whether this is, is, is a selective engagement and whether this is part of a political consolidation process or really is part of a broader, genuine effort to root out the rot. The problem that we're hearing from a number of people in Zimbabwe is, is that the very people that are uh, in charge uh, at the moment and members of the military are directly involved and beneficiaries of these corrupt uh, uh, systems of patronage. Uh, so, you know, th- there is an opportunity to, to put in place and strengthen the institutions uh, that are responsible for, for, for addressing these issues. Uh, and yes, I mean, I, I think this is a, a, a litmus test uh, uh, or one of the litmus tests for the Zimbabwean government. But we've seen on several key fronts, for example, uh, around the issues relating to uh, Morangi Diamonds and the, uh, uh, the missing income from the Morangi Diamonds, that there has been really no significant movement to promote uh, and to ensure that there is accountability for these kinds of things. So, you know, while we can point to some positive developments, there are a host of other areas that have not received attention, which some might argue should be receiving greater priority. Okay, let's see if we've got time for one last call. I want to just check with Ben whether I've got the call on the line. It's Donald. Yes, Donald, go ahead. Hello. Donald, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, my brother, Ashraf. Yes, uh, yes, Donald. Good talking um, to you. Yeah, I'm from Zimbabwe as well. Well, I'm glad you called in, but I'm so sorry what's going on in your country. Yeah, I want to congeal with my brother, Alois in Zimbabwe. You know what the problem is? That is, that is government in this, is under military junta. We're under military junta at the moment. Munangagwa, Chilinga, and these lieutenants there. Those guys, they don't have the mind to, or clue or solution to the economic crisis at the moment. Now they want to, to be blamed if you want to, if you want to say. So there's no way they can turn around that economy, my brother. Right now, Nangagwa is now in Belarus, from Russia. 
quite competitive country. But we are knowing that the country is not, we are not, we are really, really changing the regulation system. But someone is using that money, I'm a brother. The regulation is very terrible. Okay, that li- now we're losing you. That line's not so good again. We let, Let's wrap up. Let me ask you then, Pierre, that, that point about the Manangago actually in, in Russia all this time. What, what do you make of that? Well, you know, uh, several people have said it was inappropriate for, in the circumstances, for Mr. Manangago to head off on his Five Nation tour. Uh, you know, he's be, he has uh, put out a message from Russia saying that they're having a very successful set of meetings there in terms of encouraging uh, the Russian government to uh, provide some level of support. And, and, uh, and you know, he's, he's made some promising noises, but, of course, the, the devil uh, is always in the detail. And we saw ahead of the elections, for example, uh, repeated uh, uh, claims of billions and billions of dollars of investment, which, of course, uh, uh, have not materialized and are unlikely to do so in the, uh, in the short to midterm. And they certainly are not going to provide uh, any kind of, of respite that's required for Zimbabwe, because the critical thing right now is some kind of budget support. But securing budget support is going to be extremely difficult uh, in a context where trust in Zimbabwean institutions and in the government is wearing thin in terms of its fiscal responsibilities. Mr. Mungag was heading off to Davos uh, at the end of his uh, Five Nation tour. Mm, That's the last mm. place he's going to stop. And it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of reception he receives there. Last year in January when he was there, there was a great deal of optimism in the wake of the November coup. Uh, and there was a great deal of hope. I think he has, very, uh, he has a very thin set of offerings to put on the table this time around. And, of course, it's going to be interesting to see how he explains uh, the security crackdown and the uh, repeated, now we see the repeated use of live ammunition by the security forces against the people of Zimbabwe. Okay, that's where we're going to leave it at, uh, at that. Thank you for your uh, time and we'll see what happens with Zimbabwe. That's uh, Pierre Pigeot, the Crisis Group Senior Consultant for Southern Africa. Just by the way, an update on what's happening in Britain. Theresa May's government surviving the no-confidence vote by 325 to 306. So that's probably, what, what 12 votes or so? That would have changed it all. Uh, that, that's how close it was, effectively. Uh, but as far as the MPs, uh, to get them to back the, the Brexit plan, that hasn't yet quite changed. So quite lots of drama taking place in the UK. That's it uh, in terms of the talking. But the listening continues because we have uh, Josie Dahl.